Welcome to Tori Studio, the podcast. I'm your host, Tori Hill. I'm a nature lover, skinny dipper, traveler, and proud creator of the Rinse and Repeat Wellness Program. Empowering others to break free and step into their own dreams is what lights me up. Through my personal experience with anxiety and unworthiness, I know firsthand what is required for true self-growth, and I'm here to spill all of it to you. Whether your vision is to feel more peace in your life, identify your dreams, or take action towards them, this podcast is for you. Now is all we have, so let's get started. Hey, before we get into this episode, I want to invite you to the upcoming retreat in May. This will be a day retreat on one of my favorite mountains in Vermont. And if you are listening to this, then that means that there are a few spots left. So I'm putting the link down in the show notes. And if this sparks your interest, make sure to check it out. I'd love to have you there. I don't know about you, but... There have been moments in my life where I have felt like something was missing. I've craved a deeper connection with the world. I've wanted to believe in something bigger than myself. And I've desperately tried to loosen my grip on life and trust, but kept retracting into anxiety. And in 2018, after my breakdown, I realized that The missing thing was spirituality, and not so much in a religious context, something a little different. And it wasn't until I found the Here to Thrive podcast by Kate Snowwise that my life truly started to change in a more deeply rooted way. I did start to feel more connected. I did start to believe in something. I started to loosen my grip and trust and surrender. And so this is why it is an honor to be introducing Kate Snowwise onto my podcast. This is a true full full circle moment. um, And it's deeply meaningful to me to be able to share this conversation in the world And before I let you dive in, I have to share a few things about Kate because she is a badass. So Kate is an executive coach, podcaster, and speaker. She is the host of the Here to Thrive podcast, the one I was just telling you about. And this podcast is a five-star podcast that has had over 1 million downloads and is also frequently ranked as one of the top 100 personal development podcasts in the U.S. Kate is also recognized by the Huffington Post, Fast Company, Mind Body Green, Project Happiness, Tiny Buddha, and Forbes. And over the past two decades, Kate has become an expert in the field of psychology. Some accomplishments include a Master of Science in Psychology, a registered professional coach, And Kate is also, she brings the badass level up even more. She is a member of Associate Member American Psychological Association, 
Positive Psychology Association, Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychologists, and is a Forbes, she is a member on the Forbes Coaches Council. So needless to say, we are in for a huge treat. And uh, I highly encourage you to check out the show notes because I do include all of Kate's information in there. And in this episode, we do chat about various books, and I have listed them in the show notes as well, if you are curious and want to get your hands on them. All right, let's get to this expansive, amazing conversation. Without further ado, meet Kate Snowwise. Oh my goodness. Today is a big day because we have Kate Snowwise here right this moment. And um, I just want to first say welcome, Kate. And then I want to kind of tell the listeners how I connected with you and how I heard of you. But first, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I can hardly contain myself. (laughs) I love it. I love the energy already. Yeah. Um, I, I really like to share how I stumbled upon my podcast guests and you happen to be a really, really important full circle moment type of guest for me because in 2018, I hit my rock bottom with anxiety and low confidence. And, um, I found an anxiety podcast, which really helped And I was doing that and I was starting to feel better. Um, But after a few months, I felt like something was missing. And so I was walking on my lunch break like I always did. I have to get out in nature every day to stay sane. And I, I was like, okay, what's missing? What's missing? And what I noticed is that I still had anxiety because I was trying to control everything still. And I had this lack of trust in the world. And the more I thought about it, I realized that while I did go to church a little bit as a kid, religion didn't play a huge role in my life. And I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy. Yes, you do watch Grey's Anatomy. I totally. It's the only show I pretty much watch and have watched since the very first episode. Keep going. I'm totally. Me too. Yes. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the term dark and twisty, and I've always been a little dark and twisty and I haven't trusted. And so I realized that spirituality was something that I was at a point in my life where I was ready to open up to and that I needed. And so I'm walking on my lunch break and it's cold. I live in Vermont. It's like a winter lunch break walk. And I typed in Spotify in the podcast search bar, spirituality, and I'm going through all the ones and a lot of them seemed religious and I wasn't quite looking for that. I really wanted self-development too. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know if this will work. And then I saw it here to thrive. And I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And so I hit play and immediately I'm like, yeah, this is what I need to listen to. And I listened to your podcast for over a year and like every work day in the morning, I would hit play a new episode and you really brought this idea of spirituality in a way that I wanted to 
to feel it. And you also brought like personal development and you also brought relatability. You brought all of these things that I so desperately needed. So the fact that you're on my podcast right now is truly a full circle moment. And I'm so honored to have you. So thank you. Oh, Tori, you just, you have me blushing, but I'm so glad that the Spotify search bar worked for me and, uh, and that you could find here to thrive just by putting in spirituality. That makes me happy. I'm like, thanks Spotify. (laughs) But now that the listeners kind of know how you entered my life, um, I want to turn it over to you. So I want to know, how did you get to the the current Kate? How did you get to this version of you? And I know that's super loaded. So if you want to revolve it around spirituality and even psychology, you can. I am like, wow, my eyes just like, wow, how did I get to the current version of myself? Like, I feel like I'm often turning around wondering the same thing. Like, how did I get here? Where am I? Like, um, So a little bit of backstory, I uh, studied psychology at school. So I became a registered, it was a registered general psychologist in New Zealand uh, in my 20s, but I never looked at clinical psychology. And the reason I was studying psychology is I'm fascinated by the human experience. Like I'm absolutely mesmerized and about by what it means to be human and how we can live our happiest and fullest lives. And so I will say, you know, psychology seemed like the obvious route to explore that through school. Then I uh, became a business psychologist. I was in consulting and I'm like, how do I help people be happy at work? And like anything, I think that often we can go in with idealistic ideas of what a career is going to look like. And I loved my career uh, as a consultant, but it didn't also have the depths of uh, mission and that that kind of element in the way that I had perhaps hoped. And so I didn't feel like the impact of my work was what I really hoped for. And so then I moved to the States when I was 30. I think I was 30. Uh, And that was, yeah, maybe I was 31, somewhere around there. I moved to America and I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And it was a real stage of personal reckoning for me as well, because here I'd been kind of pursuing this path. I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm just going to kick butt and take names in the business world. Like talking about Grey's Anatomy, I looked up to Ellie McBeal, who's a little dark and twisty when I was a teenager. And I'm like, she wears high heels and business suits. So I was like, this is the track I'm on. Then I moved to the States. I have two young kids under two. I have complete and utter culture shock. And I'm like, whoa, I need to find my feet again. Meanwhile, going, I don't think I want to pursue the career in the same way I was living it in New Zealand. It doesn't feel like it fits anymore. And so that's when I really dove back into myself and was like, oh, I have all these tools and ideas. Like, maybe I should really start diving into the deeper layers of myself. And spirituality has been something that I think I was just born with. Again, I didn't grow up in a religious family by any means, uh, but I was the kid that was always just drawn to wanting to understand all of the things I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
I feel like I moved away from that and then in my 30s kind of came back to it as an authentic expression of myself and I think it's the extension of psychology because you get to a certain point with psychology and then you're like but what about the soul and mm -hmm. so many of the early psychologists Carl Jung and others were really actually very mystical and so that's where that part of spirituality started weaving back into my world and I started my own coaching practice at that point and that's where sort of here to thrive was born as well so uh that I've lived in the states for coming up nine years so that's really been the journey for the last nine and and how did I get to where I am today I feel like so much of that has just been the evolution right of of learning and and bringing all of these parts together right and when you were, you said that when you were a little girl, you have always had spirituality in your soul. It's just always been there. When you were little, how would that come up for you? What did it look like? Like, how did you connect or was it just always there? You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I can remember just because I can remember like one of the first spiritual experiences, I guess I had, and, you know, I came from a family that there was enough spirituality that I had been read from time to time by my grandmother, you know, the Bible stories and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I can remember my, I have nieces who are almost the same age as me. So one is a year younger and one is two years younger. And the three of us were sitting there and we really wanted to go swimming and our next door neighbor's swimming pool. But my mom said we couldn't go because we were waiting on my elder sister, their mother, to, to come and do something with us. I, I can't remember the details. The three of us sat there and we hoped and like we prayed to God with all of our might that we could go swimming in the pool and uh my sister's car broke down on the way out and so my mom took us over to the neighbor's pool to, oh. to and I share that to say I would have literally been about seven and I think that because of that experience I believed that we might possibly have the ability to influence the world in ways we didn't realize or to use you know, that, that there was a God and he did listen, um, that, you know, the man in the sky sort of thing. And so that's how it kind of showed up when I was a kid. And that was a very small child, but I think it helped cement some level of belief in me, that kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing yeah. that story. Just willed my sister's car to break down. <laughs> And has your relationship with spirituality evolved over time um, or has it kind of been consistent in the way that you interact with it? You know, I think this is such a brilliant question because um, if you have listened to my podcast, you'll know that over the last few years, I've had like a lot of ups and downs in terms of my personal life and experience. So I would say I started the Here to Thrive podcast and I was... I mean, I'd lost my dad at that point. I'd moved to the States. Like I'd had a few challenges, mm -hmm. but I was still sort of like naively optimistic about the world in many ways. And I feel like in my 30s, I've had some other challenges, such as I had breast cancer when I was 35. Uh, I just recently lost my mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, every time I find that I have this strange relationship with the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, 
And so I would say that even though every ounce of me is spiritual, it's not like it's necessarily an easy relationship for me. I feel like I often battle, battle with the universe of like, but why? Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I have to, I find myself intentionally having to turn back towards my spirituality as a grounding practice for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more spiritual I become and the more years I'm on this earth, the more I can, the less I can say I know for sure. So I would say that what I do know for sure is that I am a happier, healthier, kinder, more focused, calmer person when I have spiritual practices in my life that keep me centered and whenever I drift away from those practices I find that I drift away from myself Mm. and so I would say where I'm at with spirituality now is I realize it is essential for my well-being to be connected to something bigger than myself but that doesn't mean I have all the answers or even know what I'm seeking in many ways so I feel like I'm still on a journey of exploring and I think I always will be I think that's kind of what it means to be human yeah right I love that you're emphasizing the mystery of all of it too that's totally yeah it's a giant mystery right um in terms of where I find my own what really resonates with me right now is uh the teachings of Kabbalah really resonate with me because there's a lot of overlap with a lot of the psychology that I believe in and they weave astrology in as well. And so that is kind of, if I'm looking for like my ends to spiritual connection or um, the label I would put on, on how I'm exploring presently, it's mainly through Kabbalah. Mm, Okay. So through studying is kind of where you feel most connected to spirituality. I live totally in my head, right? Like, so like, I'm like, I need to understand how you look at this. And I want to have a conversation (laughs) about like, that's why I became a psychologist. And so I think many, like, I'm a big believer that we're all seeking the same wisdom and we're all Mm -hmm. touching the same thing, Mm -hmm. but that people take many different paths to find their point of connection with something bigger than themselves. So for some, it's nature you know, for some, it is uh, organized religion, for some, it's spirituality. And yeah, so for me, study really helps me. Oh, I love that. Ooh. Yeah. And so would you be able to, do you have your own definition of spirituality? Is that even possible to define? <laughs> you know, see, this is where I'm like, Tori, if you'd asked me like six years ago, I would have been like, spirituality is. <laughs> now I'm like, You know, I I would say that for me, spirituality is the point of connection with something bigger than yourself. Mm. Oh, that hits that hits deeply. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like I I think it's energetic. Um, There's an energetic support system around us is what I would say. And so the place at which you can connect with that, that energy is where I would say spirituality lives yeah I love that and for those listening some people hear spirituality and they're immediately turned off or they immediately 
state take a step back because there's um they associate it with religion so much do you how do you differentiate between spirituality and religion in your opinion so i believe that religion is organized doctrine roles study that are hoping to lead people to a sense of spiritual connection. I think it falls short for a lot of people, most people. I think that there are a lot of religious people who have never felt deeply that sense of spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say, I think you can be religious and not be spiritual, mm -hmm. but also the flip side, right? I don't think you need religion in order to access spirituality. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I just had a random question pop up. I want to know what you think about quantum. What's your take on it? On quantum physics, obviously, and metaphysics. Yeah, yeah. Um, like manifestation, quantum, like you put the energy out, you get like, what do you think about that in regards to spirituality? So I absolutely believe we live in a quantum field experience mm -hmm. like one of the mantras I will often say to myself before I go into meditation because I need the reminder because I am such a like logical head driven person mm -hmm. is that none of this is real so as I will go into meditation I will often just remind myself that none of what I see and experience is really real. And in Kabbalah, they talk about it being the 1% realm that we live in the 1% and the 99% is everything we cannot see. Oh. And so for me, that's a really grounding kind of idea. Other people might be like, whoa, she's way out there. <laughs> and this is what I mean by, I think it doesn't matter how you access your spirituality. It's how it makes you feel, which I think is the most important part. But yeah, I totally believe in the quantum field. Mm -hmm. I totally believe we live in an energetic universe. And I do believe we have the ability to interact with that energetically. I am not a manifester per se. I'm not really into the concepts of manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, it's more for me about energetic connection with that field and feeling in sync with it. Yeah, I would say if you read stuff about quantum physics, obviously it then starts to be like time is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And so I also think there's some beautiful ideas. Um, if you really embrace that thought, that you can call on the more mature and wiser version of yourself to help you in the now. Uh, and I found some solace in that kind of idea as well. Yeah. Um, but obviously this is where it just starts to get mind blowing. I had, um, I had Rob Bell on the podcast at one point and, and obviously his book, everything is spiritual. It starts to talk about the metaphysical relationships. Mm -hmm. What I love about metaphysics is it's the place where like science kind of, so religion and spiritual, sorry, science and spirituality can meet yeah start talking in metaphysical terms and that excites me no end because I'm right. like I'm super scientific I'm super spiritual but until I have an explanation right. I'm not good so yeah. oh oh my gosh okay cool and I I have to share this with you because I know you love books and I don't I know don't. 
I don't know if you've read this. The quantum I was going to say that you guys can't all see it, but like my whole office is just <laughs> full of books, like everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I have not read that book. What, so what is that? Quantum Warrior, The Future of the Mind. I'm yeah. just going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, it's by John Kehoe, K-E-H-O-E. Oh. And when you said that, when you were explaining how you feel about quantum and how it really just matters what makes you feel a certain way. And when I read this book this year, it felt like a spiritual awakening because the whole first section, Kate, is like neuroscience. And like you, I just, I think that was the missing piece. I wanted something kind of tangible to to connect with. And it, it really blew my mind. And now I'm kind of obsessed. Now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to read it. I, um, I really do align with it. If you have you read any Joe Dispenza as well? Mm-mm. Joe Dispenza also really gives a very scientific explanation around quantum physics and metaphysics. Okay. Um, and some of his work is kind of like, whoa. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I do love it. I'll have to read that. I just wrote it down. I, I totally need a why. I was I was reflecting on this the other day. I think it's one of the things that makes me good at what I do because I am like so curious, but I am so driven to find answers Mm -hmm. that if I don't get a why, I'm just, I can't let it sit. Um, So, so yeah, I'm always searching for, but why, but why, why does that work like that? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And switching gears a teeny bit at the beginning of your podcast here to thrive in your intro, you you say modern spiritual thought. And I want to know, what does this mean to you? So I believe that modern spirituality is like, it's not religion, right? It's, Mm -hmm. and, and I think if you listen to my podcast, you'll see how many different realms of spiritual uh experience and by all means not all what I would believe in and the realms that I pursue myself but I'm interested in what spiritual seekers do to connect with their spirituality so um you will note obviously there's very little formal uh, very little religious content on my podcast it's more of the it's more of what I would say is that I, I I'm not such a fan of the idea of new age <laughs> I kind of feel like that gives me like an eh. yeah. um, and I guess that's probably why I called it modern spiritual thought yeah I love that um and I'm wondering okay I have a I have a really juicy question for oh, you oh yeah I was like you hit me I I I'm an open book <laughs> um I want to know in your opinion can people be psychologically well without spirituality in their life? I think you can be psychologically healthy and well. Mm-hmm. Do I think you can live the deepest depths of human experience? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's a, it's a matter of depth. Mm-hmm. And I think you can live a psychologically healthy and contented life. Mm-hmm. But I think true deep down soul aligned fulfillment requires spirituality mm-hmm. but if you never break it's like if you don't know what you're missing you can still be healthy mm-hmm. so, so yeah okay 
So you I can be it. happy living a more of a superficial life. Yeah. But if you're one of those like crazy soul seekers like me, it will you will always feel like there's a part missing and spirituality is what fills that part. Mm-hmm. And do you think that some people in the world just will, I'm trying to find the right language for this. Do you think that some people are not meant to have spirituality or do you think that everyone ideally would have spirituality in their life? I think that we're in the process of evolution as a human race. So I think that, and there's another book that is a really good read that you might enjoy, Tori, and it's called Spiritual Evolution. And it's by an old school psychologist, um, George Valiant, I believe. Um, But so I believe that we are evolving to have a deeper human experience and I don't think that everyone needs spirituality, but I do believe as a human race, we're moving towards more of a spiritual foundation because I think like anything, right? I think we used to be, um, you know, if we look back into old school human history, we used to be more spiritual. I think we've like swayed a long way the other way. And I think we're coming back to more of a spiritual grounding and it's going to look different. Uh, but I do believe it's where humanity is evolving to. So I don't know if I answered your question. I would say not everyone on the planet right now needs spirituality. Do I think it's where we're going as a, as a race? I hope so. Yeah. It's so funny you're mentioning this because I was just having this conversation last night with my husband, Jake, and we were talking about the world's problems, which we don't have to get into right now. But I was I was kind of looking big picture and thinking at, like, and talking about the lack of connection that I see in the world today and the, the lack of connection between humans, but also the earth and um, just so many problems would be solved if we could connect on a deeper level between human to human, but even to other, I mean, animal, just the earth, ah. we're part of the earth, we're nature. So I wholeheartedly believe that for our, yeah, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but for our survival as a human race, we're going to have to evolve spiritually because science isn't going to take us to the points of connection and community and kindness and caring that we will need to to come together and save this world, save ourselves, all of those kind of things. So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. You just gave me full body chills. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I agree with that completely. So I know you work with a lot of humans in the world, Kate, like you, you work with people on, you like, you get, you're a presenter, you work one-on-one with people, you have your podcast, you've touched thousands of lives. And I'm wondering in your experience, what would you say, how would you respond to the person who's ready to start exploring spirituality, um, but they have no idea where to start? Like, what would your response be to that? So I, uh, my, my response is follow your curiosity. Mm. So I believe that curiosity is part of our inner guidance mechanism. Mm-hmm. But I would say when I was coming back towards my own sort of spiritual connection, Honestly, I was like, do I even have intuition? I can't even remember like what intuition would feel like. Have I ever felt intuition? Because like I said, I'm such a a head logical person. Mm -hmm. And so I think curiosity and just indulging tiny, tinsy curiosities 
rather than second guessing yourself, uh, it doesn't have to look any way, right? Like just explore, just start reading books, start if you want to, if you want to get a tarot reading, get a tarot reading. Like if you're interested in Kabbalah, then look into it. So, but I think the important part is just exploring. So you, you actually have to do something. Right. <laughs> if you're interested in exploring your spirituality you have to actually do something right. because truth be told I think it, it can feel scary for a lot of people mm -hmm. like I, I want to but it's how do I become spiritual and mm -hmm. that's not the aim the aim is exploration uh and and spirituality or feeling more spiritual is kind of the byproduct so it's like don't chase happiness don't chase spirituality just mm -hmm. chase a deeper relationship with yourself and spirituality will you one day walk around and go maybe I'm more spiritual than I realized oh my gosh you're giving me full body chills again that really <laughs> hit home for me wow because I'm someone who can want something and focus on that thing and then be totally blind to it because I'm trying to get it like I'm I'm gripping it so tightly you know, and I would say that I think part of my problem with, say, like new age spirituality is I think there's a lot of people who claim to be spiritual out there and they're anything freaking but like, so I think chasing spirituality, there is this kind of cliche around it. And so I'm, I'm chasing truth and connection with myself because I kind of don't want to be associated with that superficial spirituality that's over there. And I think if people look at some of that superficial spirituality, they can get confused and think they're doing things wrong. And I'm like, there is no wrong way to connect with something bigger than yourself if you listen internally. You know, if you listen internally, you'll find your own path. Oh, oh my gosh. And you mentioned intuition, which has been an interest of mine because I'm, I feel like my relationship with intuition has definitely strengthened over the past couple of years, but I really was that person who you described, like, I don't even know if I have it, where do I feel it in my body? People say that they feel it in their body or they just know, but I'm someone who can overthink things. And so I'm curious, how do you, Kate, follow your intuition? Like, when do you know you're getting an intuitive hit versus like a hit from the ego? Like, how do you differentiate? So I think um, this has been so interesting, my journey with my own self-trust and guidance. Mm -hmm. uh, I am I'm, I'm pretty self-directed. Like I don't uh, tend to seek a lot of advice or opinions. I kind of don't want anyone else's opinions, which I think is something that just temperamentally helps me trust myself. Uh, and so that's been a big part of, of trusting myself, but uh, probably much like you, Tori. So I, um, I can live in my head a lot. Like I, I've, there's a reason I'm a psychologist. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not thinking about that. So like my body connection, that's a really tough one for me. And um, I haven't actually talked about it on my podcast, but it's something I've really been working on since I had breast cancer is this body connection stuff, which has been a real struggle for me. And so I would say, I don't feel sensations yeah. in my body so much. What I do find is 
almost like my body sometimes telling me that something is right as I will as you're experiencing in this podcast feel full body tingles and so I'll be in coaching sessions and I'll be like oh if I if something's said in a conversation it's like some part outside of my brain recognizes truth and I used to brush that off and now I recognize it is some deeper knowing within me and so I really take note when I experience that now. So that's the only kind of physical intuitive hit I get. Uh, for me, I am a daily journaler. So I, um, I do morning pages by Julia Cameron, the idea of morning pages, which is three pages stream of consciousness every day. And that has been essential for me to be able to hear my own inner voice and guidance. So I would say that my intuition now for me is more about having a continual conversation with myself. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, I'm, so the other thing is like, even though I would say I'm deeply spiritual, I'm, I'm a total cynic, right? So I will see like, oh, look, there's a, the fourth frog I've seen in three days. And I'm like, I have to see four frogs before I will like take note of that is that might be a sign from the universe or I will be like, you know, um, well, I only saw 11, 11, 20 times, whatever it might be, right? Like, so I'm, I feel like the poor universe, God, whatever you want to call it, trying to communicate with me is probably really hard <laughs> because of my cynical nature. Um, and so I also try to be more open to look for the magic in life is what I would say. Like I have that lens um, and I try if, if now I feel like, huh, that seems more serendipitous that's magical I, I try and just let it be now rather than let the critic jump in as well so I try to look for signs more and accept them when I think I see them rather mm -hmm. than overanalyze yeah right so you're just open to it yeah yeah well, if I hear the critic in my head I try to be like stop critiquing a magical universe right <laughs> right and I love the idea of um, like the different, the difference between um, overthinking and getting curious because there's, there's no pressure when you're just curious. And that's what I'm learning. Like recently, it's just not overanalyzing, overthinking, putting any types of judgment or pressure instead, just getting curious and taking it as it is. And that is hard to do. <laughs> It's really hard. And I think like you just touched on one of the huge parts of that is having no expectations. Oh, so it's letting go of what you expect it will lead to. And that is hard because as a society, we, um, and I will say in, in the Western society that I grew up in, I mean, I was told to focus on the outcome and taught, taught like that was my worldview. Like, where is this taking you? Where are you going to? Like, what is the outcome or expectation? And I feel like it can sabotage you in your journey towards yourself. So letting yeah. go of what you expect to get out of your curiosity and simply indulging your curiosity is I think a useful way to look at it. What would you tell someone who is struggling with that? They, they know intellectually that they shouldn't overanalyze, but they just keep going back to it. What would you say to that person? Uh, so that's when I would be like, um, I'd be like meditate. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I think so much for me, 
the reason I say meditate is I think that meditation helps you to become the observer of your thoughts so that you don't get stuck in your thoughts. So a book that really changed my life was um, Eckhart Tolle's second book, A New Earth. And random story of how that came into my life, but it was definitely magical when I look back. But uh, A New Earth, right? He talks about being the observer of that deeper part of ourselves. And I believe that meditation can help us really start to separate from the noise in our heads or separate from the thoughts in our heads and become the observer. And if you're becoming the observer, you're you're sinking into that deeper part of yourself, the wiser soul part, if you like. And so I would say if you feel like you struggle and, and you bounce around all over the place, then maybe meditation practice is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I preface that by saying a mindfulness meditation practice like Headspace or one of those apps yeah. rather than like any old randoms guided meditation uh, because it's not teaching you to become the observer of your thoughts. You're just getting sucked into their thoughts right uh, so I would say truly uh, a practice that helps you to become the observer of your thoughts and and I would say that's a more structured meditation practice yeah that really hits home because I resist the structured meditation because I think it leaves so much room for me to try and and like try to control but really I'm trying to observe <laughs> so and I think you know, I resist it too. And that's why I say it because I, and, and don't be wrong. I think if, if you're like, Kate, that's way too scary. I do think there is power in doing guided meditation still, especially if you feel like it's your, your slope into meditation. Mm -hmm. But uh, the whole point of, of the whole point of those hard practices is that it's supposed to be hard because that's how you strengthen that muscle. And like we're talking about with intuition, I believe intuition is a muscle as, as, as is self-observance, right? Like the muscles that you have to work. And so, yeah, I never said it was easy, <laughs> right? Like I wish this stuff was easy. And I think that, um, like I said, for me, being a spiritual person actually requires a lot of discipline mm-hmm. in terms of regular routines and practices, mm-hmm. uh, in order to stay connected because this world is crazy and and it's very much like I have to stay connected to stay in that realm of of connection for myself yeah so what I'm yeah I'm hearing you say like it requires discipline and I don't think people at least me when I think of spirituality, I kind of think of people who have it or don't have it. I don't think about the discipline that it takes to connect in that way every day. So I thank you for bringing that up. You know, and it's not the sexiest word. I probably should have said something like routines and rhythms. But what I will say is it's it's a constant. Like, you don't just like somehow reach some like, oh, look, threshold crossed, like deeply spiritual person. And like I said, I think anyone who kind of is selling that kind of spirituality, I'm like, yeah. the skeptic yeah. in me is like, really, like, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. And yeah, and even devotion, maybe devotion. Devotion yeah. is a great word. Yeah. And, and so even coming back full circle, right, and talking about religion, 
what I think religion does well is that there is built-in devotional practices. Mm. So, you know, there's the frequency of connection with weekly services or weekly rituals. And that's what I think that much of modern spirituality is missing is those frequency of rituals and routines and connection points that keep you grounded. Yeah. What are some daily routines that you would suggest or that you do yourself or recommend to your clients? Uh, so the, really the, the one sort of daily routine that I have, it's all my morning practice. And another thing I massively resisted, right, was a morning practice. And I was like, I heard all of these other people had morning practices. And I was like, yeah, nah, that's not for me. Um, because when I, when I use the word, I use the word discipline because it required that I had to get up earlier in the morning than my family. And I'm not a morning person, right? This wasn't how I define myself. But what I would say is this has been like a life-changing practice for me in terms of being up and setting the conscious space before my day really gets going allows me to carry this more grounded presence through into the rest of my day. Uh, it settles my mind, it settles the anxiety and all of those things. So I basically, I get up, I do a 20 minute meditation and then I do those three those three pages of uh, journaling. And then I try to wrap in a little bit of gratitude just at the end of my journaling as well to be like, what am I actually grateful for? Like, let's set my perspective for the day. Uh, and then I'm a way better mom and like wife and human when I do that. Yeah. What would you say to the person who responds to this with like, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Uh, to to build this into my day so and I think I I used to be that person right like I will never forget I opened Marie Folio's course um and I had two kids under two years old Mm -hmm. and like she started with time and I was like screw you lady you don't you don't have two children uh and that's really nice you sitting in your ivory tower telling me that I have enough time if I just want it (laughs) um what I would say to the person who feels sincerely like they don't have the time is like start easy right like my practice is 20 minutes and then three pages of journaling if you're like that's insane then start with like two minutes of breathing and one page of journaling or if journaling doesn't feel good to you, like I have a client recently, we, I was like, just do a couple of minutes of deep breathing and then read a book in the morning before your kids get up. Yeah. But it's about that quiet contemplative space, mm-hmm. which I would say we don't have quiet contemplative space in our lives anymore because our phones are always like 30, like 30 seconds away from us. Yeah. Uh, so I think I would just say, finding spots for contemplative space. And so whatever that calls to you for, right? But you don't have to make it harder than it needs to be. What you need to do is start. Like I didn't start meditating 20 minutes a day. I got to the point that I craved 20 minutes a day. So I made it happen. But start with five minutes, but make a commitment, a decision that you're going to make it happen. But you don't need heaps of, you don't need heaps of time. You need the commitment and the decision to do it. And those are things. Yeah. Are you at the point where you listen to, like, do you listen to anything with your meditations at this point? 
Yeah. So I do bounce around with my meditations depending on how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So I use insight timer, which I I mean, I was going to say, I'm totally like, I don't lie on my podcast. Like I've had the guy from insight timer on my podcast and I use insight timer. So I use insight timer and I, I use metatones, which I also had Tali from Sony sense on the podcast. Um, so I typically use metatones music, which is just, um, music, can't remember what what it's called but it's the music that like balances with different headphones the delta wave yes the delta yeah. wave yeah i listened to that i've listened to all the all the episodes that you're referring to i'm like yeah I so i um i really find that i respond well to um to her music and that's typically the meditations i will do but if i'm feeling like i need a little bit more like if i do feel like i'm bouncing around a little bit and i want someone else to guide me through i'll go to insight timer and i have my favorite teachers there oh have you listened to sarah blondlin i have not oh my gosh i she's on insight timer and she's one of my favorites i'm so obsessed with her oh i will have to check her out yeah she's super good um okay I'm trying to think. Oh, I had one more question before we dive into the fleeting eight. Um, But I was wondering, so are there ever any mornings where you want to change it up and not journal or not meditate? Or are you devoted to those two things every morning? So that's my practice. What I will, and I'm devoted, like if I'm starting, then I'm doing the two of them. Um, what I will say is I don't do it on weekends. I only do it on weekdays and I would be lying if I didn't say I fell off the horse all the time. Right. Like, so it's not like, I'm like, you have to do it hundred percent perfectly all the time. Otherwise you're a failure at life. Like that is, that is not it. Um, what I think is the most important thing is that every time I get out of rhythm or routine that you get back on the horse. And so, whereas I said, you know, you have to make a commitment you will have to make that commitment over and over and over again, and you will have to recommit. Uh, And that's where like a little bit of willpower and and these other things come in. But so for me, it's like, if I miss a day or two for whatever reason, right? Like, because my, you know, family routine went off or we were traveling or, um, you know, something else went awry. It's about, it's about picking it back up again. So I would also say um, there's some flexibility and, and self-compassion, but it's about making sure you pick it back up. Yeah. Um, so those are my practices and I am pretty good with them, but I'm not like some flawless superhuman, like I'm, I'm human and I have to recommit to those practices over and over again as well. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I think that like, you have people who you look up to and if they don't say that they too are flawed, you hold yourself to these unrealistic expectations. So thank you for saying that. Oh my gosh. I feel like I used to, when I was starting on my spiritual journey, I looked at people, I was like, you've got to do it. This, 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 right. this, it's got to be perfect and flawless. Otherwise, like I said, you're failing at life or you're failing at spirituality. And I'm like, I, I see it more like a workout, like it matters more times. It matters how many times you go to the gym over a year rather than going and doing two really intense workouts. Right. Right. Like it's just about the muscle and continuing to work on that muscle and never, never just giving up. So getting back on the horse is more important than, uh, than never falling off. Totally. 
Kate, are you ready for the fleeting eight where I oh, ask? I'm excited because I don't know what the fleeting eight are. So Ooh. like, bring it on. Okay. So I have eight questions. And after each one, you're just going to tell me your immediate response. Am I like one word response or am I allowed to oh, ramble? You, you can ramble a bit. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is, where's your favorite place in nature? You know, um, my husband and I, during COVID, we bought what we call the Swamp Shack. And it's literally a, a shack. It's 480 square foot, like shed, basically, um, on a lake in Wisconsin in a swamp. <gasps> And um, it is my favorite, favorite place in nature. It is just so lush and green and we're surrounded by trees, but it has water and water for me, there's something Mm -hmm. magical, but the third element it has, which just makes my heart just burst right open is it has the stars and to lie out under the stars, I feel like is awe inspiring and uh, there's just a sense of connection for me when I can stare out at the stars. So that is my favorite place in nature. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. At first I was picturing like a Shrek, like swamp shack type of thing. Pretty much like that. It is. Um, and it's still my favorite place. It's pretty much like a Shrek swamp. Uh, the lake itself is actually beautiful, (laughs) but like, um, yeah, no, it's stunning. It sounds magical. Wow. Um, What is your favorite exercise or movement activity? I hate exercise, so I do not have a favorite. (laughs) Um, I, this is where I'm like, my body and I, like I work on this relationship with my body. Uh, I currently go to Orange Theory. I need to have the accountability to actually show up. Otherwise I wouldn't go. So there you go. What is something that you're grateful for right now? I am really, you know, I'm like, what am I grateful for right now? Um, So many things. I actually lost my puppy at the start of the week, which is also like another devastating blow. I'm like far out, God, like, what are we up to here? But like anything, right? Like when you lose something that's really important to you, I think it gives you the eyes to look at all of the things that you might take for granted in your everyday experience that are not the big things. Um, So I would say this week, I, I am very grateful that I still have two more puppies because they're the best. I'm a dog crazy person. I am too. Yeah. I'm like, and I'll never apologize for it. (laughs) so yeah I'm, I'm grateful for my pups this week oh I love that what is a mantra or affirmation that has helped you oh I am like there's there's so many so um what is meant for you will never miss you mm. so I'm a little bit of a control freak as you mentioned control earlier and I'm like I feel you um, so that the being able to release that there's only so much I can do, but if it's truly meant for me, it's not going to miss me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that soothes my soul. Uh, another one that I really believe that helps me surrender is don't fight what is. So like, mm-hmm. if it simply is just don't fight it, just accept right. it and move forward with whatever that is. Uh, but I think there's a lot of suffering that comes from us fighting mm-hmm. against what is simply, it, it simply is. 
So I would say those two, don't fight what is Mm. and what is truly meant for me will never miss me. Oh, those are great. I definitely might have to use that in my lifetime. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to ask you this one, Kate. What is your definition of self-care? My definition of self-care, honestly, um, it, it, it's intimately tied with spirituality for me. So, uh, it is soul sustenance. So in terms of self-care for me, I need soul food. I need soul sustenance. And so I would say it's the practices I've been telling you about. Um, interestingly enough, I think there are two different types of self-care. I think there is passive self-care, which is the stuff that's really easy, right? Like go and sit on the couch and watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, So I would say that's passive self-care. And then there's active self-care, which is the self-care that requires effort from us. And I really believe that both are important. Are they equally important in your opinion? I mean, I think, I think you're going to get to, in truth, I think you're probably going to get a bigger payoff from the active self-care, but the passive self-care is kind of, it just feels so good. Yeah. Oh, I love that distinction. Mm. Yeah. Um, what is a random act of kindness that you have done or received? Oh, so, um, I converted to Judaism when I married my, well, after I married my husband, Mm -hmm. but there is a concept of Sadaka, which is like the levels of giving and the highest level of giving is giving anonymously. So giving without anyone even knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to practice that a lot. So just quietly giving in moments where no one else will see, because I'm not looking for the, the ego validation of like, look, she's a good person. She's doing all these great things. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that, you know, I try and, I try and do that. I'm like, you know, Hey, homeless person, here's $20, like just yeah. small things. And I try to do it all the time. Yeah. I took a graduate course, a happiness and mindfulness course, um, when I was in my undergrad and I had this group project with random acts of kindness and the professor always emphasized on doing them anonymously. He Mm -hmm. always said that over and over, like do anonymous random acts of kindness. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's how it makes you feel right. Like I, I, I really believe that there's something gets messed up if you're doing kind acts for external validation. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Like it. yeah. What is something that you recently did that scared the shit out of you and inspired you all at the same time? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I still get scared shitless um, speaking sometimes on big stages, but mm-hmm. like, what's funny about that is I'm never scared when I'm on the stage. Like when I'm on the stage, I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. But I get like angsty leading up to, so, to events sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I would say always, right? Like whenever I'm, I would say my entire business is built on being scared shitless. Yeah. Like there's nothing that I haven't done. And I think I've said this on my podcast, but there's nothing that I haven't done scared shitless. Like it's all scary as hell. Yeah. Um, because I really do believe that that's where your growth edge is. Yeah. Um, but it was scary. And, you know, 
to me, it's scary in the best of ways. And like I said, thankfully, I don't feel scared when I get on a stage. I only feel scared in anticipation. <laughs> I would, I'm so grateful that something comes over me when I'm actually out there that it's just like, whew, and snapping. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in form. Yeah, I feel you on the business side too. I'm in my first year and it has been the scariest year of my life and the most rewarding. So I feel you there too. I feel like no one tells you that bit, like, yeah. that, like that somehow it's supposed to all feel amazing. And I'm like, no, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty out there. Yeah. <laughs> Everything feels uncomfortable and that's exactly where you need to go. Yeah. Even before this interview, I was looking at the mirror, talking to myself out loud and being like, you you've got this tour you can you can interview Kate like you're ready for this you wouldn't have asked her you know I was giving myself oh my gosh like and that's what people don't see right like you I I mean I'm going oh I'm gonna be on a podcast interview gosh I better have my crap together like I'm still freaking out about doing stuff like this so um yeah I think I think I'm a pretty sensitive human though so I think I feel it all but yeah and the last one, how do you practice slowing down? Oh, I wish I could tell you I had some really healthy habit, but like, this is where my maladaptive, I'm like, I just have a glass of wine. Like, <laughs> and this yeah. is where I hope everyone knows I'm superhuman. Um, I love a glass of wine at the end of a week. It is just like my favorite ritual. Um, I'm also from New Zealand where we're drink far too much so that might be part of it um but what else do I love to do to slow down you know the other thing I um I have a ritual of I have a hot shower before I go to bed at night and that really helps me as well like a hot shower really helps me kind of like <sighs> calm down but yeah those yeah. are my things well New Zealand has great wine and I too am a night shower and I love hot showers yeah like, there's something about it I totally, there is something really good about it. So I want you to take your time and just tell everyone where they can connect with you. And um, if anything fun is coming up in your world, and if you are working with new clients right now. That, uh, there's so many questions in there. So um, I can start I, over. I have not been uh, recording that here to thrive podcast for a while but it will be back before the end of 2021 mm -hmm. and so you can look out for some new content which is super exciting I was just gonna say I'm pretty tardy on social media but sometimes I get better so you can find me at instagram at kate.snowwise which is like it sounds with just one w uh, and I'm the same over on facebook which I'm never on anymore. So good luck finding me there. Yeah. So, so I'm like, where do you find me? Um, <laughs> I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Uh, my, I have two websites. They're thrive.how, which is my executive and business coaching, sorry, not business coaching, executive coaching workshops and speaking. And then here to thrive.com. You can find me there too, which is more around personal development in the podcast. Awesome. And are you, do you work with people in a one-on-one -on -one capacity or? I do work with people at a one-on-one -on -one capacity, but I am fully booked presently. So I, um, it doesn't mean that you can't reach out, but, and I will refer you to my coaching associates or if I have spots, we can talk. Yeah. Awesome. And there are well over a hundred episodes on here to thrive. So we'll, we'll stay busy until you have more openings. 
Right. Yeah. And I do think in 2021, I'm going to look to do some, some wider programs, some more scalable stuff so that people can connect and interact with my work in different ways. So stay tuned. Okay. We'll stay tuned for sure. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with before we say goodbye? You know, I, um, I just think one of the themes that was coming up in our conversation and something I believe so wholeheartedly in is that concept of self-trust and listening to the inner voice and doing your best to not be distracted and swayed by the outer noise and world. So I would just say, if you take nothing else from today, I encourage you to, to work on generating that conversation with yourself internally, because I truly believe we all have the answers we seek. Mm, thank you so much. That definitely hits home. Thank you so much, Kate, for your time, for your energy. This has been such an honor. Thank you. This was so fun. And thank you for having me. Of course. Have a great evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. And I would absolutely love to know what resonated with you. Um, give me a shout out on Instagram or DM me. My handle is T-O-R-E-Y.Hill. It's my name, Tori.Hill. Um, and hearing from all of you literally lights me up. It makes my day. And it really gives me amazing insight on where to take the next podcast episode. So if you want to contribute and help design this podcast, let me know what your thoughts are. Um, I'd really, truly love to hear from you. And if this podcast episode made you think of someone in your life, please share it with them. Expanding this community will make this world a bit more magical and your help in doing so will literally make all of the difference. And lastly, make sure to follow this podcast so you can catch the next episode. I'll see you there.